Welcome back to another episode of The Rankable Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank, and I am hyped. This is so relevant. Last week, Google I.O., big search event. So who am I going to talk to? None other than Mr. SEO himself, Barry Schwartz. Barry, for those of you, I mean, if you're an SEO, I don't know how you don't know Barry. He is the SEO janitor. He cleans up everything. He is the search janitor of Rusty Brick. Search Engine Roundtable, Search Engine Land, CEO at Rusty Brick. For those of you who don't know, it's actually a New York web service firm specializing in customized online technology that helps companies decrease costs and increase sales, like building software. Barry is also the founder of Search Engine Roundtable, been covering search for over 19 years. Thank you for joining me, sir. How are you doing? Uh, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. I love your energy. I love your show. So keep it up. Great work. Dude, I mean, well, so... It's so fun. Obviously, anything that happens in the world of SEO, you are on top of it. You cover it before it even is like announced. So everyone needs to follow you on Twitter to pay attention to what's happening, experience this, that, and the other thing. But last week, Google I.O., you covered it. The biggest thing is the rollout of the search generative experience, basically the integration of BARD, LLMs, AI, chatbot with search. It's an experiment mode, just high level. What were your biggest takeaways from the event? Uh, first of all, uh, Google doesn't like when you say the integrated BARD. BARD is like a standalone <laughs> silo, which they just threw out there to like, you know, do the chat GPT thing. Um, it is its own beast. They keep saying it's its own, you know, AI. Um, they, you know, that's what they wanted to, to say. But I think overall, my initial um, my initial feelings of the way it looks, the way it functions and how it works, I was, like I said before, pleasantly surprised. Um, I did expect a lot worse. I think we all did because of the way Bard rolled out with citations and links or lack thereof. Um, but I think with this new interface, they are, I think, in a strong way, thinking about how publishers... Uh, will get traffic from the overall ecosystem, like they like to call it. And I think they are trying to, you know, throw us some type of, you know, fig leaf so that we could go ahead and be happy with the interface as content creators like ourselves. But I was pleasantly surprised, I think. I mean, okay, so there there are a few things there. One, like the whole Bard silo thing is like BS. Well, you know, however they think about it, like, do you think that was just a reaction to the ChatGPT and OpenAI, or was that to some extent the plan all along? Because I think to your point, it's like the expectation was this version of search that we're seeing when they did roll out Bard, that it would all be this, this integrated thing, whether they admit it or not. Right. Um, I think I think it was rushed. I, I don't know. I don't have inside information. I do think Bard was a quick way for them to go ahead and showcase their language models and how it could actually respond like a human to people and give answers. Um, I think that was significantly rushed. I, I think we all were kind of let down because we saw how uh, ChatGPT worked and we saw how Bing uses it for Bing chat specifically. And we're like, Google should have done better. And I think it was just something that Google could throw out there and say, hey, we have Bard. And then this new version of the Google search generative experience, I think that is something that was, all right, Google's still in the game. You don't have to worry. I don't think Bing is going to go ahead and uh, take over all market share. I think we're in a good spot. Um, and, and Google was very specific about saying it uses, you know, Pom2, which is now being used as Bard. It also uses Mum, which 
don't think it, I don't think it matters. Like throw one of these names at anything. It doesn't matter. I want to play with it. I want to see how it works. I think when Bing chat launched, they literally rolled it out to a lot of people really quickly. Um, and we were able to play with it. This is not going to be rolled out for another week or two, maybe to the first wave of people. And it's hard to like, go ahead and like give feedback on something that I haven't been able to play with. Will it respond uh, with timely stuff? Will it respond with quality? You know, they say so. Um, I think Google is really good at Google search in general is really good at finding new content and figuring it all out. So I'm really interested in seeing how the generative AI answers in this new Google search experience will actually handle timely stuff, um, authoritative content, um, and so forth. I wonder if it'll make stuff up, hallucinate and stuff. I'm very interested to see how it actually will function outside of just Google like, spoon feeding us examples. It's to that point, like it's there's so many questions, obviously, still in terms of the rollout, the timeline, like to what extent is this going to replace our existing experience of search? And what to your point, like Google's trying to do is like with their whole perspectives where they're trying to surface social that they never got right, whether it's like, you know, TikTok videos or Reddit forum responses in terms of the experience in EEAT, and then ultimately kind of trying to add this discover element, which they've been rolling out with their explore results. And so how do you, how do you think this is going to play out? Because right now to your point, like it's in labs and it's going to be tested, but it's not going to be like the main search that everyone experiences out of the gate. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't, I think changing search like drastically overnight, changing google.com drastically overnight will probably um, scare a lot of people, including Google and Google's making a lot, a lot of money from their current google.com experience. People want to call it the original Google. It's not the original Google. We had universal search. I think even universal search was kind of like in a beta labs uh, environment at some point where people were able to test the sandbox. That was back in 2006 or so. Um, So I think Google's being very, very sensitive about how they want to test this out, how they want to roll it out slowly. I will be, we'll be interested to see if Google will roll out smaller pieces of this experience into google.com on some type of basis. I don't know if it's going to just flip the switch or maybe it'll be like, all right, you're, you're enabled in labs. Maybe you want to toggle on that feature in google.com at one point. I don't know what the rollout will be like, uh, but right now what we do know about this rollout will be like right now, Many people can go to labs.google.com slash search, sign up for the waitlist. Not everybody, it's only certain countries. Or I think if I know it's US English, maybe, but you can VPN it and do stuff like that. Um, it doesn't work on workspace accounts right now. And then in a couple of weeks, maybe two, three weeks, um, it's hard to know exactly when, Google will start inviting the first wave of people. Google promised me that I'll be in the first wave. I know Google's also sending out, I think John Mueller, I've heard rumors that he's sending out invites to certain people. Um, that they can sign up on the first wave as well. I, that's what I'm hearing from third parties. Um, but when we gain access, we'll be able to start playing with it. And then when will everybody gain access? I don't know. Um, there's all these issues around. I think even Bard open, was opened up uh, early uh, at IO to everybody except for certain regions, so 180 regions, but not the European regions. The question is why? Well, look what happened in Italy with ChatGPT and so forth. You have this issue of citing sources, and I think Google's doing a good job of citing sources. But is that whole answer coming from those three or two or five links that they might show in there? I don't know. And I think there's legal issues with showing generative AI answers um, in search results without proper citations, especially in European countries. So I think Google's doing this as a lab, a lab experiment that will roll out slowly to see not just in terms of 
um, the user feedback, uh, the quality of the search results, how it might impact their ad revenue, but also in terms of legal issues around um, generating answers um, in search. It, it, so first off, John, if you're watching this first wave, um, you can you can hook hook a brother up as well. But I, I'm with you. It's, there's so many questions to your point about the EU and like there's this move towards more personalization. So there's data privacy issues that I'm sure are going to come up across the board. And then you touch on the whole idea of the ad revenue, which is has been decreasing from Google and is also their biggest revenue driver. And so in that presentation, we didn't really see a ton of ads or sponsored content show up in their mock-ups did did you see any do you where's the yeah, bit? where was for it? sure i mean they had a segment just for that um mm-hmm. it was kind of towards the end where they said we're going to show sponsor listings i think they're they're planning to announce more on that at the google marketing live event um in a couple of weeks from now but if you scroll through some of the uh screenshots that i posted on searchers land searchers roundtable uh, i actually have a whole art- article just on ads in short google's like we are going to have ads Yes, there are going to be clearly labeled as sponsored with the sponsor label, clearly labeled and transparent, as Google says, about their ad listings. Um, And they kind of look the same, honestly, as the current search ads. So they're just across the top, above the generative AI answer. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Google has to monetize it. And they're going to go ahead and the first version will have ads, just like Bing Chat had ads on the first version, which surprised me. A lot of people thought Bing ads when they first launched. I'm sorry, Bing Chat when they first launched didn't have ads. They had ads on day one. So a lot of people report, oh, we see ads now. I'm like, no, it was there on day one. Um, so, uh, but yeah, Google is very transparent. Uh, the ads you see in search, original search, whatever you call it, um, is going to be in the new search experience when that goes live as well. So there, what I would love for you to clarify too, and you covered this a little bit in your article, is like where ultimately we anticipate the generative AI kind of mock-up interface to show up in SERPs, like whether it shows up in your money, your life, or when there isn't like a best answer, like data voids, data gaps. How do you see that kind of playing out? Yeah, you did your research for sure. So yeah, I mean, not a lot of people are talking about this and it goes it goes deep. And I had a lot, a lot of conversation with uh, Liz Reed, a VP of search at Google as well, talking about this. And they're very, very nervous about giving the wrong answer because one is there's this whole concept around the way the AI speaks to you, if it speaks in a fluid way versus a factual way. And what surprised me is when they told me, if the AI responds in more of in a more fluid fashion, people trust it more than if it speaks in more of a factual fashion, uh, uh, way, which is interesting. You think people who say, this is the answer, that is the end. You would think that that, would be, that confidence would be whatever, but it's more... But people only trust more fluid stuff, which is interesting in terms of you think about all the politics now um, and people lying in politics. But yet the way they talk, people trust them. I find I guess that's that's an interesting point. Now, Google's very, very concerned about providing wrong information, especially in the YMYL category, your money, your life, but also civic duties type of stuff, which is very interesting. And they are... They, they probably will respond with some answers, but they might not, depending on the type of query it is. Um, and even even stuff where they don't have a high degree of what they call like high degree of standard or high degree of like certainty about a certain topic, um, they will pull back and say, we are not generating an answer. Even the answers they do generate have disclaimers that it's generated by AI. You know, uh, It's crazy to me how many people are going to these AI bots, Bard, uh, Bing Chat, ChatTDP, asking it a question, getting an answer and believing it no matter what it says. It, it hallucinates like crazy. It's getting better. 
but people just trust it. And it's insane. I think Google's saying you can't always trust it. And the cases where we're not 99% sure that you could trust it, we're going to go ahead and say, we're going to be safer and not show an answer, which is commendable. Dude, I hate to say it. I'm not surprised at all because we see on social media how susceptible people are to anything that's stated confidently. Like the general public most often will take things for face value, which is just scary in general. But to your point about the fluidity versus factuality, it's interesting because the other thing that people don't realize is like any sort of polling that you do, the way that you frame your question and the same for queries, the way that you frame your query is going to influence the answer. I always say this, my example, when I go to Google searches, if I ask Google, is coffee good for me versus is coffee bad for me? I'm going to get two different sets of answers that potentially will you know, provide confirmation bias. Do you think perspectives is enough to address this or is this just opening up a whole can of worms for Google that they're just going to run to issues constantly. So I don't think perspectives is something specific to the new search experience. I think that's live or going rolling yeah. out to the main. So that's just, that's one thing. And I do, I think perspective is Google's answer to like TikTok and the more youthful, you know, snackable, whatever they wanted to call it. Uh, and when the New York times or wall street journal wrote that article. <laughs> um, but I, I do. Yeah. I, I, I am. I'm not, I wasn't specifically talking about, Confused that the or surprised that the main public believed it. Yeah, of course the main. I, you know, sadly, you know, we're not too smart as people. We're we're not we're not the smartest type of people. But I was a little bit surprised by people in our industry just trusting it because we're specifically the SEOs. We we like to dig in and figure out where did this answer come from. It was like in the worst case, even in the most egotistical ways. Oh, I did a search on something that I wrote. Did it? get that information from me, and if not, where to get it from. So I usually, uh, we, we type, uh, dig into this type of stuff. So I'm a little concerned and taken back by that. Um, even people like asking questions about like Google ads specific stuff and saying, does Google ads do this and this? And they know it's not true. They ask it, Google bar will tell them what they want to hear because it wants to please everybody. And they go ahead and tweet this and share a screenshot, not showing it from Bard and saying, Google's telling us that this is true, that this is happening. It's a new feature. And then I go to Google, I'm like, no, this is not, I don't know where they got this from. It's not something. And then they tell me, oh, it came from Bard. I'm like, you can't trust Bard. Um, so, I mean, that's the biggest issue I have with with these things. And I think more disclaimers, even though there's disclaimers all over the place, people don't listen to them. Um, perspective is interesting because they've been testing perspectives in multiple ways. They launched it in multiple ways. Like there's a news carousel for perspectives. There's um, the snackable formats. And they're totally different, really, to be a thing about it. Um, so I, I find it weird that they named the perspectives for that new, like, I guess, TikTok-y or type of fashion versus the the news fashion. They should have called it something else, like opinions or something for news, I guess, uh, versus perspectives. But I do like that. I mean, their concept was, we're going to go ahead and highlight more uh, perspectives from people who have actually experienced certain types of stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, and that new helpful, I guess this is the new helpful content update. I don't know if you saw that news. I don't know if you want to transfer to that, but I, I can go, yeah, I don't, Jerichel, you go ahead and tell me which direction you want me to go. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing with yesterday. There's so many news and it feels paradigm shifting, but we've been in this industry so long that we know like SEOs want to say, you know, I mean, we say what's old is new and what's new is old. And yet at the same time, sometimes something like this comes along that feels actually different. I guess my question to you is what type of chatter are you hearing in the SEO community on the event, on this new rollout? Like, what is the general perception? Right. So you have two 
uh, spectrums. One is anything new that Google releases is going to kill SEO, going to kill publishers. We're all doomed. We're going to die. And let's wrap things up and just go, I don't know, whatever. And there's other people like, oh, I'm surprised. This is an opportunity. I think this is going to go ahead. You know, this is a new opportunity for, for whatever it might be. Um, I'm never like, my personality is like more, not so negative about this stuff. There's certain people just negative about everything. And they're like, this is the worst. This is the Google's testing this. It's in a labs. You have to sign up for it. You have to actually go to it to try it out. It's not replacing Google.com today. How will it look when it actually goes onto Google.com? We don't know. We don't know if it ever will actually look the way they actually showed it to us today. For now, it's Google testing stuff. It's an exciting time. I think, you know, a lot of the negative and even positive feedback needs to be just like, all right, calm down. This is a test. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. Have fun playing with it. See what the opportunities are there if it ever does go live and see what happens. Like, oh, Google's not going to send us traffic. They're just taking our content. They're not. They have big... I, I've never seen such big thumbnails, with images, and titles, and clickable buttons in the actual search results right at the top. I mean, it's right up there. I mean, how much more do you want Google to do? Um, I mean, when feature snippets first launched, I remember... The SEO community going crazy. How can you go ahead and steal our content and put a link to it at the top of your results? That's stealing zero, zero click, uh, whatever. And then everyone, when they had feature snippets, were like, oh, this is, I can't believe they're taking my stuff. And then when you remove the feature snippet and somebody else outranks them for the feature snippet, that SEO go crazy. I lost all this traffic. So I think we're going to go ahead and see, like, all right, whatever Google does launch, I think they want to help the ecosystem. Could I be wrong? I don't know. Ultimately, Google's only goal is to satisfy the searcher. So that might not be about sending as much traffic to the actual publisher or the content creator. I think we as SEOs need to understand what Google's goal is. And Google's goal is to make sure that somebody who does, somebody does a search is happy enough to come back next time to do another search when they, when they, when they want to find something. Um, and that's the kind of mindset I think SEOs always often forget about and don't think about is what is Google's goal and how can we align ourselves with that goal without just complaining that Google's stealing content from us? Because there are other ways when Universal Search launched in 2005, 2006, people were like, oh, the template links are gone. They were gone. There were local results that showed up, videos, images, you name it. SEO started to do more than just try to rank content. They try to rank videos. They try to rank images. They try to rank local. Our job as SEOs change, and that's why SEOs do what they do, because they love change. If you don't love change, you're in the wrong business, I'm sorry to say. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. And, and it's very interesting, because to your point, on the you know utopian side of things, yes, we think you know Google is creating the best user experience, and at the same time, obviously they're trying to compete with TikTok and create some sort of experience like that that isn't easily replicable replicable in SERPs or same with Reddit. At the same time, there is the the revenue you know conversation of like what can they do to still keep ads happy that you know sponsors and advertisers still want to pay to get clickable. But then there's that fine line of, well, ads aren't, sponsored content isn't valuable if there isn't organic content. So they really do have to kind of walk this balance between their revenue needs for, for their investors and, and their board, their content contributors and keeping an open web. And then those utopian, like we want to create the best Search experience. I had this conversation with Glenn Gabe. I have a vlog. If you don't subscribe on YouTube, Rusty Burke, um, smash that like button, all that YouTube stuff. Uh, but I, I had a conversation with him and we were talking about how, what if the AI, what's stopping the AI from writing the content? Like I write content when John Mueller goes, goes and flushes his toilet. 
John Mueller flushes toilet. He tweeted, he talked, what's to stop Google AI or any AI from writing the content that publishers are write anyway? So that's my concern. Like Trump did this or Biden did that or John Mueller said this or Danny Sullivan said that. That's what publishers do. I mean, they get press releases. They, they write this stuff. They have their own opinion. But what's to stop the AI from doing that? And if so, that could, def- that could definitely cut out that ecosystem, I think. That's the biggest concern. Obviously, we have to write as humans, write better and more entertaining and experienced and stuff like that, the whole EEAT stuff. But I don't know. That's the, like, the far-off concern. And if that happens, so be it. We'll have to adapt. I mean, you know. I mean, we already that that is one criticism I'm hearing already in the community for e-commerce, because when they did the demonstration of the way that you'll be able to interact with different products and basically the way the interface pulls from Google Merchant Center and structured data to put all that information, they're like, oh, no, affiliate sites are done. Product review sites are done because it'll all be there in the SERPs, which I get that, too. That makes sense. And that would be a better user experience than half the crappy affiliate content out there. Right. And it's funny, the number of times SEOs have said affiliates are done. I mean, the first time I think I heard that was with the Google Florida update in 2003. And it's been happening with every single Google update, every single user interface change, affiliates are dead. And yeah, it's much harder to be affiliate. Back in the old days, I could outrank any single company for their own brand name with a one-page website with a bunch of like really bad links. That's not a good user experience. Again, put yourselves in Google's feet, uh, shoes and say, what does Google want to do to make sure the searcher comes back? If it's not showing your content, it's not going to happen. You have to work harder. If it means you have to go ahead and submit structured data so that your affiliate site um, shows up in those local results, you have to adapt. You have to show that information. If it means that affiliate, that affiliate side business is completely dead, move on to something else and adapt. But it, it's, it stinks. But I, I mean, I've been in this business for a long time. I've changed many times. I've added new things. I've done a lot of different things multiple businesses, um, all similar, but still, I mean, people in the SEO space have changed a lot and that's the best continue to adapt. So yeah, affiliate sites are dead, but no, they're not dead. There's going to be new ways for affiliates to make money. And I don't think that interface was so much different than what we see right now with the product results in Google search right now. Um, yeah, it's giving you options and giving you uh, feedback, but you can do all those filtering right now in the Google product shopping features, kind of get that information anyway through that structured data. So I don't know. Um, it's, inter- it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, to that point, it's like, on the one hand, it empowers like actual manufacturers, you know, that they don't have to depend on these affiliates to get their, their word out here. At the same time, you know, Amazon is the biggest e-commerce threat to Google. And yet you could still see them benefiting from all of this. And to your point about journalism, it's like the whole industry has changed like over the years, like we've seen that, you know, change in different ways just by the nature of digital marketing and, or like the digital technology and the existence of, you know, how do you change that business model? Cause like that's problematic right now in the news we're hearing about, like, you know, Gawker went down not too long ago, Buzzfeed news is going down. It's like, there are consequences to, to this industry in general beyond what Google's doing. Like, yeah, look what happens to the railroad industry. I mean, this thing has happened. I think it's, you know, but it's thriving now. It's a very profitable industry, but it's different. So, um, so I guess my question then is what, what do you think based on everything we saw yesterday and the potential going forward, what should SEOs be paying attention to? I, I, th- I still think they need to pay attention to really providing 
um, I, like it's all about the content, providing something that is not just what everybody else has. Maybe you have to enter, you know, not just you have to enter like the, the whole EAP stuff. It's, it's cliche, but it's true. And then on top of that, I really do think that you have to add an entertainment value. This podcast, this video, this YouTube channel is entertaining. You put a lot of, uh, you know, uh, you know, emotion into it and so forth. It's entertaining. You have a lot of things. Um, you can't, you have to be above and beyond and you have to step up above and beyond. It's insane. Like you look at Mr. Beast, what he used to do versus what he does now. He used to sit there and see how, how long can I count for? People want to see how long. Great. But now he spends hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes over a million dollars producing one single video. You got to step up your game. And that's the web is just getting bigger and bigger. There's more competition out there every single day. There's more people writing about the same piece of content. You have to do above, go above and beyond what you normally do. Um, I mean, even my piece on this generative search piece, I went super deep. I don't think anybody went as deep on this new feature that I did. And I, it got a lot of traffic from it. I mean, it's being rewarded. It doesn't mean it always gets rewarded, but often case, if you write something, it does get rewarded. It, I mean, yeah, it just makes everything in the web. And I think this is one thing that SEOs have to accept is the web is becoming that much more connected. Like SEO does not exist in a silo. You need to know what's going on with your advertising, with your social media. And I was just talking the other day with, um, you know, like Crystal Carter and Cindy, Cindy Crone, we're talking about the intersection of brand between like the real world and the digital, like how with these, you know, generative AIs and the text that's provided, it'll be interesting to see the extent to which Google, you know, we saw with Google Lens last year, how, you know, if you take a picture of something and you see a logo in a real life place, Google recognizes that with its, you know, AI image detection. It matters. It's just amazing. I had a bunch of old Michael Jordan cards and one night I was just this week. I'm like, you know what? I want to see how much they're worth. So I just take, I, so I took a picture of it with Google Lens and it brings up a bunch of listings. So I'm like, all right, so this card might be worth $30,000 or it might be worth $200. So they really give me the answer. But um, I found it, it's, so, it's just amazing the time you live in. It's just amazing to be able to take a picture of something and Google just tell you exactly what it is. It's amazing that you can have bots respond with answers that are just as accurate as humans because humans lie. Humans make stuff up all the time. Humans hallucinate. It's it's just an amazing time we're living in. And I think, again, it's all about this opportunity um, that we're in now. What Where can we find those opportunities? The only way you're going to be able to find those opportunities is if you embrace it, try it out, play with it, and see what you can do. I mean, there's probably going to be more opportunities with this new stuff with this new stuff than you ever had before. And the question is where? And I, for me to make stuff up now without playing with it is almost impossible. And right now, it's just a lab experiment. So just you can waste your time with it. But I do think it's worth wasting some time playing with it once you get access to see how you can actually, you know, game. Yeah. And, and to that point, I think ultimately like the whole SEO content thing, in some ways it'll be easier. In some ways it'll be harder, right? Like in some ways, if you've been doing the, the old school, like talking to your customers, doing your research, understanding what they're looking for and creating content based on that, this fits all into your wheelhouse. If you are, I think to some extent more, scientific in your experiments, it's going to get harder because like we talk about keywords, if this ultimately changes search behavior and the way people interact with Google, like over time, I don't think it'll happen immediately and there'll be a lot of mistakes. I do feel like it'll be harder to say like, oh, the keyword search volume for like this, you know, two word head term is what I'm going to target. Like, it's not going to work like that anymore, right? Yeah, honestly, I, I never understand. I mean, I understand why people did keyword research before writing content, but it's kind of seems backwards, to be honest. I mean, you should be writing content 
based on what you think your users want, not based off of a keyword list that you generate using some type of third-party tool. Um, it just seems bad. I've never, I've, I've written a lot of content, like probably over 40,000 pieces of content. Um, and I've never once used a keyword tool to figure out how I should write it. But again, I mean, this is SEO and this is, you know, how SEOs are. And I've written about keyword tools. So it is what it is, but I've never used the keyword tool to come up with ideas to write content. It just seems kind of backwards to me. Well, the whole industry, it's its tough because it's like in this like capitalist mindset, we want to be able to report on our performance, right? And like we want to be able to report on like how visible we're doing and how much money we're making. And with attribution going out the window with third person cookies, like all of these technological advancements in a lot of ways make that harder, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, and there's a way of doing things. There's the audits you used to do. So there is some type of like structure in terms of how SEOs do their job on a day-to-day basis. We kind of have to, especially if you're a bigger company, you have to come up with a process and a workflow for your employees who are maybe not experienced as you to do it. I get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is this this new stuff is being, being more creative. You have to think of ways to be more creative. And sometimes a, a single like a five-point to-do list is not going to help you do that anymore. You're going to have to be really, really good at what you do um, going forward. I, I agree with that. Do you was there anything at the event that surprised you that you did not expect them to talk about that they just threw out there? Good question. I mean, the, the factual versus fluid stuff was a little bit surprising. Like I, I initially, like I told you before, I thought like a factual thing would be much more um whatever. I thought they would probably speak more about ads, but I guess it makes sense for marketing live to wait for that. Um I kind of wanted to dig into more about how that toggle feature worked in the experimental feature. Um, and then the glossing over this whole um, new um, helpful content update system, which talks about hidden gems and digging into little known blogs and forum posts. They really didn't mention it at the, at the keynote, but they put it in a blog post and hide it there. The question is why? I guess people don't care so much. The average person doesn't really care so much about the algorithms. But I found like, why didn't Google spend more time on that's because that's more about like, it was more about like finding what people's experiences are deep in a forum. So if you're in like some type of, I don't know, forum about having some weird disease and you have a, but this is the reason I built searches around tables because SEOs were in a, were in forums talking about stuff and you, they would just, you know, how forums are. People would talk about, I don't know, you know, them going and picking up spoiled milk. And the next post would be something about um, a really cool idea about SEO. And people wouldn't be able to find content there. So I would take, I would go into the forums, find the best content and summarize the best posts within long threads. And I still kind of do that. Obviously forums are now also on Twitter and so forth. So I try to find the best stuff across the internet. Um, and that's what Google's saying they're doing in an algorithmic way to highlight the best stuff deep inside forums, deep inside uh, blogs, comments and so forth. And I think that's wonderful. I just, I can't wait to see this. It's gonna launch in the coming months. I wish Google would actually showcase that more and saying, hey, we know you as searchers are contributing on Reddit, are contributing on whatever your favorite forum is and so forth. And we're going to go ahead and try to highlight that because you guys have the experience, you guys have the know-how and you're posting your, your own thoughts there. The question is how they're going to do it. I would love to see more about that. It, it's so interesting you mentioned that too because I think that like there's been criticisms of Reddit and a lot of forums where they're not good at creating their own search 
you know, like kind of algorithms or their own search mechanisms. Apparently TikTok is investing a ton in their own search. So it'll be interesting how that ultimately plays out. And like YouTube is hit or miss. I feel like YouTube's gotten better, although their recommended content is very often problematic. Um, I'm curious. One thing that I am curious about is we kind of saw glimpses of the mobile versus the desktop experience. You know, traditionally, I feel like mobile and desktop have been very different SERP experiences, especially in the last like five years. Do you think we'll see kind of emerging, or just is by the nature of the devices different, it'll kind of still be like their own separate experiences? Yeah, I mean, they've been all they're like you said, they're always been their own experiences somewhat. I mean, because that's the nature of the device. Back in the Nokia days, you had to text the search. That was very different. Um, so I think it's more different. And I think it's less different than it was if you, if you talk about texting Google. Um, but no, I think it's just people are more accustomed on mobile to scroll. People are just are going to scroll. They're not accustomed to scrolling so much on desktop. And I think that's the reason. They only get fit so much in that great view. Um, so people will scroll. They'll sit, they'll have to pass the ads. They'll have to pass the answer. We'll have to click on the results. I think um, that will adapt to Google's content. It's funny. Like Google's like tells us as advice for our own content is to keep trying and experimenting and try new things and get better. And Google's the first, they, they actually do what they say. They're constantly testing new things. You see how many tests I post every single week about what Google's testing. Some of the things are the ugliest things in the world uh, and seem to make no sense, but they test it anyway to see how people react to it. Um, so yeah, they're going to test this just like they have test anything. They're going to, they're going to use search quality raters to give feedback. They're going to use, you know, click data to give feedback. Um, and no, those clicks won't have any impact directly on rankings. Like SEOs keep saying, they will, they will be funneled back into the, to the people who build the algorithms to say, you know, these are actually generating more response. These are generating lesser response, um, and so forth. But overall, uh, that's the beauty of this thing is, is they'll be able to keep testing it to see what works and what doesn't. Um, and if, Publishers are getting the reaction they want them to get. I don't know what the, what they what Google wants publishers to get. That's another story. Um, but if it's not, maybe they'll tweak stuff to make sure you know. Because one example is like feature snippets. When feature snippets first launched, the link to the publisher was not really that prominent at all. They adapted it. They made it much more prominent, and it sent more traffic to the publisher when they launched feature snippets. My biggest problem with with Google on that is they wouldn't show it to us. They built this whole entire experimental. Um, or our beta version of a feature snippet filter in Google Search Console's performance report. They never launched it. People were like, are they going to do the same thing for this AI generative response and give us an A way to see are people clicking or getting impressions from my content in this AI answer in Search Console? Are they going to give us that report? I don't know. Although big webmaster tools, uh, Fabrice Canal said they will. It's May 11, I don't know, middle of May already. Um, and we still don't have that. Maybe by the time this thing goes live, it will be out. But Fabrice said that we will have this in Big Webmaster Tools on some level. Not sure what it's going to look like um, to see how our answers are coming up in Bing Chat. If Bing does that, will Google feel that needed to do that? I hope so, because the more transparency we have in terms of how people are interacting with our content across different experiences, the better off we are. But again, it's just a Labs feature now, so there's no way you're going to see it in Search Console until it, looks, until it graduates from Labs. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask. I know you shared like the Fabrice Canal. They actually have the mock-up of what that would look like of showing those clicks on and Bing Web and Bing Webmaster Tools. You know, 
for credit, like they, their tools have always been really good, um, like in some ways better than Google Search Console. And, you know, SEOs, we we want that. I know there's always the struggle with like discover reporting. And, you know, it seems like there's been more of an investment in Google Search Console, at least from the tech SEO side of like fixing errors, but not so much always on the performance reporting. And I, you know, SEOs do crave that. I think it is ultimately important, but I'm not going to hold my breath. But you, but John Mueller even responded to you and said, you know, said, said like it was, it was on the radar at least. Right. Everything's on the radar. He's like, he's <laughs> the decision anyway. Um, so I don't think he makes those calls. He could push for it, but he wants us to push for it. So he could push for it. He basically, one of his jobs is to say, this is what the community wants. Here's whoever makes the decision decide. I don't know. Like I said, I, I it's not happening anytime soon. Will it happen when it goes, if it goes live in Google search? I'm skeptical because again, we didn't have it for featured snippets. Um, yeah. And I think John wanted it for featured snippets based on his previous communication. It just never happened. So it is what it is. I don't think, it, I know. We'll see. But it's I do like think even, transparency even is very if, important. I was going to say, like, even if we do get it, I don't think we'll get transparency within that just based on the mockups of like the, the featured links, citations versus like further citation links. Like that requires a, really confusing type of however they would report on that um potentially right. yeah I don't know. it's a lot of work yeah and i assume okay. some of the search console team were laid off in some of the layoffs earlier in the year so um we'll see again i i i yeah google did a lot of layoffs i i just hope they spent so much time and resources and money after matt Cutts, you know to make sure there is some type of communication layer between seos and the search engine, not just across Search Console, which has a big team now, but also across, you know, John's team, the search developer relations team, and also Danny Sullivan and so forth. They spend money on that. And I hope they don't pull back on any of that because it's been wonderful. Um, but we will see. We'll see how the future Google works. It seems like John's team very communicative still. Um, I haven't seen many Search Console features um, in a while. So I'm a little nervous about it, but we'll see. Final question, high level, is, you know, it was hard to say that any of the competitors would actually steal any market share from Google. I mean, you know, like 90 some percent of all searches are still Google. And from Microsoft Bing's perspective, like just getting 1% is billions of dollars potentially. Does this presentation rollout future of search point you in any direction in terms of the strength of Google as the market leader? All right, so I think Google's safe. I think they were safe beforehand. People kept saying, oh, Bing is launched Bing Chat and Google's way behind and Google's not going to be able to catch up. I'm like, you're a fool. Google will be able to catch up like that. And I think they proved yes, um, whatever day, a few days ago, whatever it was, that they went ahead and they were able to go ahead and do that. We have to wait till we see it, obviously, and play with it firsthand. But I think Google's safe. In terms of market share, last time I predicted somebody taking over Google's market share was when Microsoft launched, I think, MSM search or live search, whatever they called it in 2006 or something. And I'm like, oh, Google is dead because Microsoft owned Internet Explorer back then. Internet Explorer was the browser. There was no Android. There was no mobile phone. They owned the operating system. There was no Chrome OS. There was no Chrome computers. It was basically Windows uh, PCs uh, using Internet Explorer. And Microsoft held that. And they, I'm like, oh, Google is dead because Google Microsoft's going to change the default to Amazon search or live search. And I was completely wrong. People still went to Google.com. They went maybe to MSN, the search for Google.com in that box, went to Google and did their searches there. 
I, I don't know. I mean, if Google doesn't provide a good user experience and searchers aren't happy, people will leave. Um, even though they have Android, even though they have Chrome, even though they have, you know, um, you know, paying Apple Safari billions of dollars. But I think, you know, ultimately people will continue to use Google until, until they're not happy anymore. And I think Google's better generally in terms of they have more data to be better at it. They have more information to be better at it. And I think they, one thing about Google, they never stop changing and they never, they never stop trying new things and they never stop releasing innovation. Once they become stagnant and they stop going ahead and, and trying new things, then they're probably in trouble. But Google is not in that place at this point. Yeah, I, unless unless apparently Yahoo is cooking something up, so you never know. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Really, <laughs> me too. Oh man, very like I could talk to you about this stuff, and I know you could talk about it for for hours and hours and hours. This has been so awesome. I do want to kind of wrap up, uh, get to the rapid fire rankings. Are you ready for our fun little rankable segment? Sure, I guess bring it on. Okay, put some music on. We got this going. Okay, just a few questions. Our whittled down version just for you, Barry. First off, rank your top three of something, anything that you love. Obviously, SEO. It's my hobby. It's not my job. Um, Development. I'm a huge thing about how can I go ahead and build something that makes my life more efficient. Everything from where I put my phone in my pocket to my day to day tasks. Um, and then obviously a lot of I do. I love apps. Uh, we build apps, a lot of apps and I love building apps that also are, are cool. So I SEO dev and apps, I guess. And playing right into the next question is rank what you love most about SEO. What do I like most about SEO? I guess the community is the, the most important thing. The community is just amazing. The sharing, the giving. I love the community when it comes to SEO. Okay, probably the most unfair question that I ask, but rank the top one to three SEOs or marketers that, that you most respect, that you most admire. Outside of you, of course. Um, it would, I mean, it's, they're not SEOs anymore. I mean, obviously I worked many, many years with Danny Sullivan. Hugely respect his writing style, how he writes, how he thinks. Um, you know, huge respect for Matt. Uh, and also, I'm sorry, Danny. And of course, I was about Matt Cutts. Uh, Matt Cutts is somebody that, um, he's the reason we have the SEO and Google communication the way we have it today. He is somebody who spent his own personal time in the early days under the name Google Guy, communicating with SEOs, then going to conferences, built, eventually building the webmaster, well, that called the site maps and webmaster tools that now Search Central, now Search Relations team. Um, I think without Matt Cotts, we wouldn't have the industry we have today. Um, but and I think those, you know, those two would probably be the most, including you. There you go. There you go. And, and finally, rank your number one cause or charity that you'd want to promote. I want to call it a specific, specific charity, but anybody that feeds people who can't put food on the table for their family, you know, that's the first place I would go. Um, I do donate a lot of money to charities that you basically feed people who can't afford to be fed um, or can't put food on, food on the table for their own children. So that's the, probably the most important, you know, for me, there's obviously lots of important causes, but I, you know, feeding family, having food so your kids can eat is very important to me. Yeah, I mean, it's never fair to ask just one. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Obviously, 
it's never been more exciting to see what's going to happen in the world of SEO and search going forward. Obviously, pay attention, you know, uh, follow Barry on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on all the socials and check out Search Engine Roundtable, um, you know, for all of your SEO news as well as Search Engine Land and Rusty Brick. If Barry, if people do want to find you, what, what's the best way to get in touch? I'm most active on Twitter. Um, it's at Rusty Brick. But anyway, you can probably find me. Except for TikTok, I don't do any dances online. Okay. Don't look for for, for Barry on TikTok. It's not happening anytime soon. <laughs> Thank you again for joining me for another episode of the Rankable Podcast. My name is Garrett Sussman. I pull rank. We will catch you next week. Peace out.